Greetings, folks. Apostle Lewis here with you, and what a great, uh, great uh, time to be alive. I believe God has got some plans up his sleeves that he wants to reveal to the saints, um, and I'll reveal those in some other videos, uh, but right now I'm going to talk to you today about truth and how important truth is to relationship with the Holy Spirit, even when that truth is um, worldly truth or historical truth. And even when that truth is uncomfortable and the things that I learned in walking with Holy Spirit now for over 30 years and learning how truth is an absolute must for Holy Spirit and why it means so much to Holy Spirit that you and I know truth, walk in truth, and do not deny God. Now, truth like this is vital. Um God says to, Jesus says to the disciples, with God, nothing is impossible. And that, that's a declaration that puts God above all other creatures, right? He's not created. He can do everything. He can't lie. He's not a man. But he's truth. He's righteous. He's peace. He's joy. He's love. He's all these things. He's holy. Um, <clears throat> but God is, God, God is, we have to understand truth. In other words, if God is lying to us, then don't worship him. He's not a God that we should worship in a lie because if he can lie, he's literally, Jesus, the Bible says, he's not a man that he can lie because that's a, that's a man thing, lying, or a demonic thing, lying. And But then Jesus invites us into this wonderful statement. He says, hey, all things are possible to those who believe. Now, that's an invitation for us to live in his realm, to live in his... Um, his place where he's at, and to live in it in such a way that you and I can um, have this wonderful, wonderful relationship with truth. Okay, now why is that important? And we're going to get to that now. The Bible talks a lot about truth. Um, to prosper, to have a prosperous soul, you need truth. And, you know, people hate the prosperity message. And I believe that the prosperity message goes way out of bounds sometimes. But I, I think that we get to the double lie in the poverty spirit. Here's what prosperity is in the scripture. Prosperity in the scripture is you having, according to 2 Corinthians 9, that God wants to prosper you. He wants you to have seed to sow. So he wants income to come into you, resource to come in so that you can sow them back. So you have seed to sow. What is that? Your tithe and offering. So we have that seed to sow. And then he wants you to have bread to eat. He wants to make sure that you have enough to eat. But he also wants you to be abundantly supplied for the work he's called you to do. Okay? Whether that be a banker, whether that be a, 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 an artist, whether that be a, I was an air traffic controller, whatever it is, he wants you to be abundantly supplied. That 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 has no... That has no measure on it. Like, it's not, well, you make 10000 a month. You make 100000 a month. It's what you're called to do. Those who are doing greater things than me need a greater budget. They need a greater level of prosperity when we measure it by the amount. However, it is actually the same thing called prosperity. It just looks different to the guy who's got a, a church that has a $40 million budget to me, that has a you know $150,000, $200,000 budget, right? It's a difference of what we're looking at. 
you if you get jealous of that guy's budget and think, well, well, he's rich, he's got a bigger budget. He's also got more people. He's also got more building. He's also got more things he might be doing. I do not believe that as a minister that I should have that my income off that $40 million should be $10 million. I don't believe that. A lot of these people that get upset with Joel Osteen and stuff is because they have speaking engagements, and they get money when they go out and speak. They get money when they write books. You might not like that, but they're doing more. Write a book. Do more to make more money, but don't get upset at the other ones because they're prospering. Because the, now, God's going to look at, God's going to deal with what's ever wrong. That's the other truth, is at the end of it, if God feels that they were whacked, if God feels they got it, God's going to deal with it, and that's left to them. I don't think that our goal should be um, to be rich beyond belief, and so we can live in the lap of luxury. I don't believe that, okay? Now, um, I, I would say this, if I was a really, if I traveled a lot, um, and we were really busy to the point that man, we could really use someone to clean our home. I don't have any problem with that. We don't have someone cleaning our home, but I have no problem with that. Okay? None at all. Um, and I know that would really upset some. Just so you know, by the way, before you even go any further, I I work and my wife works. So um, we're not afraid of work. So uh, that's what you need to know. And all the money that comes into Lewis DCM Ministries, I've used since 2007 I have used that money to go to the nations or to help other people go to the nations. I don't use it to, uh, you know, to uh, buy a new car or anything like that, okay? Uh, I wish I had that much money coming in there, but I don't, and I don't do that, okay? Uh, I could. I legally could. I just don't. I, 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 we make our money, okay? And we use that for the ministry because, like, I just came back from Italy. Italy is expensive, the flight over there is expensive. Next year, I'm going back with my wife. I mean, just the airline tickets is going to be uh, four to five grand because I'm not flying coach. I will try to at least fly uh, an upgraded version of that. Why? Because it's exhausting. Being in an airport is exhausting. And flying is exhausting. Um, and so, uh, but we do that sometimes with points, okay, because we fly a lot. But that's the point. Um, and then you got hotels. You got food. You know, when I go, once I leave America, I don't go for the money. Like, I'm not there for the money. I'm usually paying my way there. Okay? I'm usually come up with the money, and I usually do it through my tools box. But I prosper. God, God has rebuked me in the past and said, I gave you all this stuff so that you could sell. But you keep giving it away. But I've given it to you to provide for you for the mission field. And so, because I don't like actually taking up offerings for myself. I don't like begging for money. Um, I don't. It's just not who I am. It's not. It's not wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's not my personality. I my personality struggles with that. I do it. I take up offerings, but I struggle with that a little bit more than some other people do. And that's my thing. I've had to repent of and get over. Because when I served other people, I was able to take up their offerings and bring in, you know, and teach truth about offerings, which we're not going to do today. All right. But now. So we have to understand truth is important. I want to show you uh, Jesus even addressing truth. Okay? And I'm just going to show you a couple of scriptures. I don't want this to go uh, eight hours because we can really have a really, really fun time talking about truth. All right. John 16, verse 5. We're going to start there. But now I go to wait to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? 
But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that amazing? So one of the things that the Spirit is here to do is to guide us into all truth. Not some truth, all truth. And why is it that, and this is what I'm saying, this must be um, something really important to Jesus, right? This must be something really, really important. If, if the Spirit, in one of his names, Comforter, one of his names is Spirit of Truth. He comes to us, okay? And he's going to reveal to you truth. Why is that important? Well, let's go back to John chapter 4 and, and listen to what the Father wants. Listen to Jesus here. Um, I, I You should know this one. Um, let's just start at verse 23 because I don't want to read this whole chapter. It's a wonderful chapter, by the way. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Here's what Jesus is letting us know. Jewish Judaism had gotten so, look at the commandments of Moses kept morphing and kept changing and kept getting new interpretations. And they added, it went from 252 laws to 613 in Judaism. There was a lot of mixture in Judaism. There was a lot of false worship in Jude, just read the Old Testament. Anyone who says that's not true, it was not right when Jesus came. Okay, Israel was not worshiping God rightly when Jesus came. Remember, there he's got the money changers in the temple that are are stealing from the people, and they made it a den of thieves. They are they are worshiping themselves. They are proud of their own prayers, but they're not sincere. They're putting burdens on. Jesus rebukes all the Pharisees. The, the, the Judaism in Jesus' day was false. It was false religion. If it was true religion, you and Paul would have never left Judaism for Christ. You can't leave truth for truth. Truth is eternal. Truth is everlasting. Okay? This is where, you know, um, you have to understand there were things that had gotten more. I'm going to give you one right now, and I know it's going to aggravate some people, but it's my little pet peeve, because it was something the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Okay? In 19... Oh, no, that's wrong. 2004... I think that's correct. 2004, 2005. I was in um, uh, Kansas City, IHOP. And I just went out there to spend two days in prayer. 
And the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me about the new year, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish new year. And he started speaking to me. And he said to me, because it was coming up, it was this was late August. Matter of fact, Katrina hit, um, Florida while I was gone, and I flew over Katrina while I was hitting New Orleans and landed in Jacksonville, Florida. So it was right around that time frame, okay? And the thing that I remember him saying is that that's not biblical. And I started looking up in the Bible, when was the first month? And the first month was March, April time frame. You can't, you can't declare it by calendar. You had to declare it by the barley. The way that the new, this the way they determined the beginning of the year scripturally. You plant barley in the fall, and it was when you see the barley budding, okay, then the next new moon was the first month. That was the timetable given. And by the way, God's names for the months were not Nisan and all that. Those are actually Babylonian names. The names for the months were first month, second month, third month. That is actually the name God gave in Scripture for the months. You know, I thought it was Nisan. Now, Nisan is a Babylonian name. Because when the Jews went to Babylon in captivity, they took a lot of the Babylonian stuff and they brought it into Judaism. So much so that Rosh Hashanah is not the new year. And some will say, well, it's the agricultural new year. The agricultural new year was Babylon, was not Jewish. It was Babylon. And, and you can look this up. Tammuz was the god of agriculture, and he dies around June, and he has to be resurrected for the fall harvest. And you could see this in Ezekiel chapter 8 near the end of the chapter, that when God takes Ezekiel to the temple, he shows them that they are weeping for Tammuz outside the temple. And that's what you need to understand. And he's, he's, he's heart-stricken with it. Because they're actually crying for a false god outside the temple. And of course, you just read Ezekiel, because God shows them all the witchcraft going on in Judaism. All right, really need to understand that. Okay? By the way, we have some of this stuff goes on in Christianity as well. All right? We want the we want the truth of God's word. Amen? Amen. I do. I hope you do. Jesus says this. <clears throat> he said, We'll worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's looking. Here's what Jesus is saying. The Father is looking. For those who, number one, will have my spirit so they can worship in my spirit, but also, now remember, you have to be born again for your spirit, right? So you're born again in the spirit. I'm looking for that, but I'm also looking for them to worship me in truth. Just read, read Revelation chapter 2 and 3, how Jesus is correcting them in their lies and false behavior because truth matters. To God, He can't. I, what I learned about Holy Spirit is that He cannot worship, or I cannot worship God rightly in a lie. Let me give you an example where I learned this. It's two thousand one. I'm in a. Um, I don't know if I've already spoken this, but I go. I tell this story a lot. 
but I, I, I'm in church, and it's Easter Sunday. And I'm sitting there with a friend. My wife is out of town with the kids. Kathy has got the kids up at her parents, who are ministers. And she went up there for a week, and I couldn't go. I was working. And um, and this was what we always did. I, you know, Her mother told me, when you marry my daughter, if she wants to come home, you let her. I said, yes, ma'am. And um, they were so fantastic. It's beyond compare to tell you how great of in-laws I had. And um, so she's up there, and it's that Sunday morning, Easter Sunday pageantry, right? Jesus is on the cross. He gets crucified. He goes down into hell, and he breaks the chains. And, he, you know, Satan's there tormenting Christians. They were all in chains, and Satan's beating them. And Jesus comes down to hell, and he smashes the devil, and he, um, he breaks the chains of them, right? He breaks the chains off of them, and the saints rise. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is not biblical. This is not true. And I went, I said the stupidest thing. And I said, Holy Spirit, I said, can I just enjoy the service? I literally said that. And Holy Spirit said, you want to enjoy the service, you want to enjoy me. And I repented, boy, right there. And my friend commented to me later, says, what were you going through? Because I could tell you were like really having something going on. I told him the story. I made a deal with God that he could teach me, rebuke me, correct me on anything. And he could show me where I'm wrong and that I would give him access to everything in my life. And he's been so faithful. And sometimes I've been stubborn. And then I've relented, repented and gave in to the truth. He, he says to me, he says, they weren't in hell. They were in paradise. Of course, I look up the scripture. Jesus says they're in paradise. It says, as soon as Jesus died, the saints rose. They were not being tormented. They were in Abraham's bosom, Jesus said. They were not in chains. None of that. None of that's true. They were being comforted by Abraham, Jesus tells us. Now, you might go, what, what does that matter? The Spirit only flows in truth. And if you want to have a relationship with the spirit of truth, you have to allow him to teach you truth. Now, this truth has expanded into historical truth. Like there was a point in me where I really had some really people that I really thought were amazing people. And then you find out the truth of who they were. And I, I didn't necessarily want to find that out. But what I had to do was realize that these men and women might have done some great things, but they also had a dark side. They had a weak side. Um, and that's, by the way, that, that spectrum is wide and long. And as the Holy Spirit, when I would read something and what was required of me was to be okay with the truth, even though it broke my heart, but to be okay with the truth. Like, I had to accept truth no matter where that truth took me. I had to accept it. And I learned that the Holy Spirit really is looking to equip us as believers to walk in, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And when we, when we reject, directly, directly, directly reject truth, 
I don't believe Holy Spirit today. I don't believe there's a Holy Spirit. I don't believe in miracles today. That's a lie. And, you know, those who who try to convince the population that miracles aren't for today, you're you're actually not doing the will of God. You're actually doing the will. that There is no one who wants you to believe that God does not do miracles today more than the devil. There is not anyone in existence that wants God's church to believe in the lie that God does not do miracles today. There is no one. Let me explain to you. There is no one. And I always try to view things. Which side do you think God would be on? Do you want to tell God? Is there anywhere that God says, I don't do miracles today? Now you might go, well, yeah, but he doesn't use people. No, he does use people. It's called faith. It's called faith. Look, if you want a deeper relationship with Holy Spirit, I'm going to get, we're going to pray a prayer together. We're going to pray a prayer to invite even the chastisement of God, the correction of God. The way God chastises, not by punishing you, by speaking. It's the voice where the Father says, hey, that's wrong, and you're like, oh. Read, read, read Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 is not about God beating you. It's about him rebuking something. And look, if I, if I, I love my kids. I love them. If my kids came up to me and said, Dad, you're not a good dad. Or, Dad, you're not doing something well. It would crush me. I ask them every year, by the way. One of the things I ask my kids every year is, is what else do you need? Because they're changing. They're growing. right? They might have a different need of me as a father. They might need this in this season of their life. I'm like, hey, what do you need? Is there anything I'm not giving you that you need in their life? And I, I ask them regularly this. Let's pray this prayer together. Pray it with me. I'll, I'll give you space in here to pray it with me. Father, thank you for sending me your Holy Spirit. I pray that if I've not been baptized in Holy Spirit, that you would stir up the hunger in me for it, for Holy Spirit to baptize me like in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 19, that you would fill me with your Spirit with supernatural signs and wonders following. And then, Father, would you teach me by your Holy Spirit truth and I give you access to everything, every every thought, every uh, every fear, every everything in my life, that I would be transformed in my soul, the renewing of my mind, and that your word is truth, and that you would give me the revelation of this truth, that it would impact me greatly. I'm asking for this journey, Father, you and I, for eternity. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Develop that love for the truth, 2 Thessalonians 2.10. You have to have a love for the truth, because the love truth is to love Holy Spirit as well. I love you, and I hope. Would you leave a comment? Would you put a like? Would you do something? You can do a like, uh, share the video, maybe subscribe if you're on one of the platforms and not subscribe. 
share it with me, share the podcast, whatever. I love you. God bless you. And I hope that you have a most amazing day. Bye-bye.